been going over our vision series. What is Living Spring all about? Why are we here? What are we doing? What, what makes us who we are? And uh, there's three pillars. If you look on the back of your bulletin, you'll see these three words, reach, restore, and respond. And um, this week we're on the respond section. I just want to go over a little bit of these, these circles again. So it gives you some idea of, of um, what the context is. I stole these five circles from Saddleback because they, they did a really good job of, of, of making it um, kind of an easy way to see how do we view people in the context of Living Spring here. And so you, you, these five circles have, uh, the first one is um, the community. And that's the people on the very outside. This is everybody around us. Every, everyone that's in our sphere of influence is the community. And then from there uh, is the crowd. And these are people who have just, they've made a, con- a contact with Living Springs. Yeah, cool. Uh, They've made a contact with Living Spring. So it's either people who uh, we know that walk through our parking lot to go um, to CVS or whatever. I'm just people who might come on campus for the food ministry, people who might visit. It's just that's kind of the crowd. And then after that is the congregation. And those are people who actually attend church here. If you were to ask, where do you go to church? They'd say Living Spring. That's our congregation. They might only come once or twice a year. You know, it's just, that's the congregation. Then there's the committed. And those are the people that are coming pretty much every week. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're giving here. They're kind of invested into the community with their time, talents, and resources. And then there's the core. And those are the people who, you know, Living Spring is their ministry. They're... they're completely vested in it they're just i mean it's just this is kind of our our leadership core team so the staff the board small group leaders um if i missed anybody volunteers in children's ministry or youth ministry that's the people who are really like yeah we're, we're committed that that's that's uh the core and what we're always trying to do is we're trying to drive you i'm, I'm just giving you a heads up i am always gonna try to drive you to the next level if you're in our community, I, I would like you to come to church here or find a church in the area that meets your needs to, so that you can be in, uh, or that you can get into somebody's crowd and then into the congregation and then the committed. And if you're committed, I'm trying to get you into the core because what we want to do is take someone from a first-time visitor to a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's what we're all about. And so we're, we're constantly doing that. And so the way we do that is through our three pillars. And the first one is to reach. And that kind of covers those two outside bands. We, we don't want to just sit here and wait for people to come. We want to go out, like, the, like it says in the scripture, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and then uh, we restore. Once someone comes to Christ, there's this, this, this process of getting rid of all our baggage and our junk and allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in our lives. We, we call that sanctification, but it's just, it's just a fancy word for being restored to the way God would have us living and so that that's a that's a process and then and then we respond to a move of God's spirit after we've come to Christ and God's begun this work we aren't the ministry (laughs) you know God is restoring us for a reason to go and be part of part of ministry and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning and I just really quickly want to go over the section of scripture that we take those three R's from it's found in Matthew chapter 9 it says Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. That's the reach part. Jesus went out. And then, and healing every disease and sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's the restore part. And then the, respo- uh, the respond part is, and then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so, uh, and then, then he, he takes the 12 and he gives them authority to cast out demons and to heal. Uh, and, and so uh, what'll happen if you stay around here long enough is... Um, we're going to be pushing you to this third one that we're going to talk about this morning, this respond. God's spirit is on the move, and he asks us to j- join him. And uh, so what we're going to do to talk about that is we're going to look in Exodus chapter 3. It's a very, very famous section of scripture, and um, hopefully as we look at it, we'll be able to see some things that... Uh, how God operates and how we, how we operate when there's this move of God's spirit. It, it, it's, and, and, and this third one, I'm excited about all our pillars, but like this third one for me is, I just love it. I love seeing people stepping out in faith, responding to a move of God whether it be to, to take that, they're done with their last drink or they've, they're breaking up in that unhealthy relationship or they've decided to step out and share their faith. Whatever that step is, that response to God's spirit, I just love it because that response is one of the keys to going back to the restoring. There are, I, I would venture to say that there are areas in your life that have not been dealt with because you haven't responded to God's spirit. You can learn all you want. You can make commitments to all you want. You can, but there's something that happens when we step out and we join God in what he's already doing that does a deep restorative work in our lives. And so uh, we're going to be talking about the story of Moses. And um, Moses uh, is famous. Disney has a whole thing on him. You can check it out. Uh, but he was, when he was a when he was a baby, uh, they were killing the Hebrew males. And so his mom put him in a basket and she covered it with pitch and she stuck him in there and, and he, and, and he kind of went scooting down the river. And his sister, I love this part of the, th- uh, the, the story, his sister was following, watching the basket go and it, it went to uh, Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter o- opened it up and the sister says, hey, would you like me to find uh, someone to nurse the baby for you? And she said, yes. And so Moses' sister went back and got Moses' mom. And so Moses' mom was able to nurse Moses in the palace. And so, you know, some things went on. He, he was raised basically as an Egyptian. But his mom, his mom got to be a part of that. And so um, then one, one day he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave. And so Moses killed that Egyptian. And it says he buried him in the sand. Now, I mean, again, sometimes we read over these stories and we, we, we just kind of go through that. But imagine killing someone and, and digging, trying to hide it, dig, digging this grave, essentially, for this person and dragging their body in there and covering it all up. Like that, that isn't the type of thing you just do. <laughs> I mean, that changes you deeply. That has an effect on you. If you were to kill somebody and try to hide the body, 
you wouldn't be the same ever. And so this is the kind of transformation that's happening in Moses' life. Uh, you know, the, the next day when you wake up from something like that, it's not like, like usual. And so it, 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 it turns out that some people saw him. And so uh, Pharaoh wanted to kill him, and so he, he ran away. Now, from that time when he killed that guy and, uh, and ran away, he ended up in an in a area called Midian. And uh, he, through some events, he helped some ladies at the, he drove some sheep herders away and helped some ladies, you know, he, you know. There's seven of them, for crying out loud. And so he's just like, hey, how's it going? You know, I got rid of those guys. And so they left, and, they, and the, their dad was the priest of the area. And he's like, what are you guys doing? Invite him over. We'll give him something to eat, right? Because he's Hebrew. And so um, he, they, they get him, and, and he says, here, you can have one of my daughters. And so Moses spends years after he kills this Egyptian tending sheep. And when you tend sheep, it's every day. You know, my father-in-law grew up on a farm, and every day you have to do the same thing. I mean, you ha- it's just a routine. And so for years and years and years, Moses is stuck in this routine. As a matter of fact, in, in Exodus chapter 2, 23, it says, During that long period, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned. It's not up on the, on the, behind me, but the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and they cried uh, for help because of their slavery and went up to God. There was a long period of time. Now, here's what happens. One day, God lights this bush on fire to talk to Moses. We were singing, today is the day you have made. Get this concept down. One day, God spoke to Moses. I mean, day after day after day after day after day, it's the same routine over and over again, year after year after year. But one day, God spoke to Moses. And so let I want to read about it. Moses sees this bush, and it's kind of funny when you read it because it says, and then he thought to himself, I'm going to go over to this bush and see why it's not, you know, it's like, what? You know, it wasn't very well written. Anyway, um, no, I'm kidding. So, so he, he goes to this bush, and here's what happens. Starting in Exodus 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Moses' life is never going to be the same. <laughs> Because God's communicating with him. God is working. God is doing. God is seeing. And we'll get to this deeper as we get to what the, what the part you're going to fill out in your outline. And God calls out Moses' name. And Moses says, here I am. And then God says in verse 5, do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. This is a huge concept here. God is speaking to Moses. And I believe with all my heart that God is speaking to every single one of us. Whether you believe in him or not, he is calling out to you. 
for some type of response in some area in your life. And that can range everywhere from, hey, the way I'm living isn't right. I need to make a change. It could be, I think I'm going to quit my job and go into full-time ministry. I mean, those seem to be the two, you know, once you go into full-time ministry, you're really spiritual, I guess. But anyway, uh, uh, so, I mean, God is, he's always, he knows your name. And he says, hey, and he says, take off your sandals. Now, what is, why does he say take off your sandals? I would think if it were holy ground, I would put something on my feet so that I wouldn't touch, you know, touch it and die or something, you know. I, would not, I don't want to be, have my bare feet on holy ground. Something might happen to me. I think I'd need to put on my sandals. But God says, take off your sandals. This is so important for us to understand because God doesn't want anything between him and you. As a matter of fact, in Exodus, it says, when you build an altar, just, just so you know, if you're in your backyard and you want to build an altar, don't cut the stones because you'll profane it. Keep the stones just the way they are. Nothing man-made. Just make your altar with the stones I've provided. This is the idea that God is saying, St. Moses, I don't want anything between us right now. This is holy ground. This is set-apart ground. It's me and my creation. Now listen, this is so important. When God speaks to you, it's a holy ground moment. See, we, we sometimes... For those of us who have been Christians for a long time, sometimes we get used to the voice of the Lord and it's almost like, a, 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 like ca- talking to your own dad, which is great. We're supposed to call him Abba, Father, but there's an element to it that's holy. And there are things that are in the way that when we go to approach God, he's saying, I want those things removed. And so we might have something with school or with our job or with a relationship or, you know, We've, we've just come to Christ and now there's these things and God says, listen, I'm going to speak to you, but I want you to remove those things first. And so he says, uh, take off your shoes. Uh, the place where you're standing is, is holy. And Moses gets it. He says, uh, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, at this point, Moses has no idea what God is going to say. He doesn't have a clue. We do because we know the rest of the story. But see, as God begins to speak, I mean, again, if I were Moses, I'd be like, this is about the Egyptian, isn't it? This is about the guy in the sand. Did they find him? I don't know. Did, you saw that, huh? Oh, Right? I mean, that's, that's the context of Moses' life. It's like, I'm, the only reason I'm here is because of what I did. And God's saying, so now he's saying, hey. And Moses is like, I'm going to hide my face. This is about the Egyptian, isn't it? And Moses is taking the right posture of like, oh man, what, what's God's gonna, what is God going to say? Now watch. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. If if you have a Bible you'd like to write in, you can, I've underlined them here, but you can underline seen, heard, and concerned. God is on the move. God sees, 
God hears and God cares. And, 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 and he's a God that does not slumber, it says in Psalm 121. He, he doesn't sleep. He sees. Now, it begs the question, because this slavery has been going on for a long time. And so you're kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, why didn't, why, how come this didn't happen on day two or day three or day four? I mean, why, why do you wait all this time and then now you see and hear and care? No, he's seen and heard and cared the whole time. He's the reason they're in slavery in the first place because he was trying to do this work because God is always on the move. And so, uh, so he, he says, I've seen this, I've heard this. And now, now watch what happens next in verse eight. So I've come down to rescue them. Isn't that awesome? God has come down to rescue his people. Now, I don't know about you, but if I, if, if, if there was a, let's just say, um, we always pick on Uzbekistan here because it's just a fun country. But let's just say Uzbekistan comes and takes us all over and, and we are under the control of Uzbekistan and they put us into slavery and God comes down to save us. What do you think that would look like? I think it would be awesome. There would be tanks blowing up and, you know, plagues and all this kind of stuff, right? And we're like, oh yeah, plagues. This is what, this is what happens. I, I, we cannot miss what's going to happen next. So he says, I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, <laughs> okay, uh, Hivites and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelis, uh, Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Stop, just hold, let's hold up right there. If God comes down to rescue them, what do you think that looks like? I mean, God, he's the God of the universe. He's seen it all. He hears it all. He cares deeply for his people. And he said, enough. I've had enough of this now. The work that was supposed to be completed is completed. And so now I'm going to move. And I, here he is. I mean, it's in this bush that isn't burning. I mean, it's a lot, the, the ground is holy. How, how is he going to do it? This God of the universe that loves his people. Probably one of the most amazing parts of the story is found in this next verse. And I think what it does is it, it really kind of is frightening to me. He, he says this, I've come down to rescue them, so now go. I'm sending you. Like, why, why would God do that? First of all, it's a huge task Egypt was extremely powerful. Why wouldn't God just show everybody, show the whole world through some meteorites or through whatever, or, uh, you know, do something godlike? He does. He does something exactly godlike. He uses us. He says, Go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people 
the Israelites out of Egypt. I want to give you kind of the thing that I hope that you kind of refresh in your mind all week long that you can fill out in your bulletin. God sees, God hears, God cares, and he uses us when he moves. I don't know why he does. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't, I think he should use someone else most of the time. But for some reason, with this relationship we have with God, he uses us. And so there's going to come a time in your life, and it may have already come, and it may be recurring, and it may come again as something different tomorrow and the next week, where you're going day after day after day after day, everything's cool, and then God calls out your name and says, I'm going to do a great work. I've come down for this situation. Now go. I'm ready to do something that I've been, I knew from the beginning of time I was going to do. And I've come down to rescue. And I'm using you to do it. And even as I'm talking, some of you I know for a fact are sitting there going, please, can we just leave this issue alone for once? You know exactly what God is calling you to do. You know exactly what it is. Now, how exciting is that? I know, I know whatever it is, whether it's, whether it's some chains that are finally need to be broken. If it's a relationship, you know, you knew, you knew it had to be. You had to cut it off. You had to cut it off. You had to cut it off. And now here comes another sermon. It's like, will you leave me alone? But it's not me. That's the exciting thing. It's a holy ground moment. And he's saying, I want you to remove that because I've got something for you to do. I'm at work. I'm moving. I'm rescuing. I'm healing. And I want to use you. Moses killed somebody and hid the body. That's the guy we're talking about. That's the guy we're using. Now, maybe in the last 20 years, because he was married, you know, he was a, 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 a PK-in-law. Uh, um, you know, uh, maybe he, you know, got religion and they've been going to the, uh, the synagogue every week and now finally he's been good enough and he's said enough, uh, whatever they said there, you know, he memorized enough scripture, he did all the things, he had enough sacrifices, all this kind of stuff. Maybe he did all that, and so now he's finally qualified, but God doesn't say that at all. God says, I'm going to do a great work, and I want to use you to do it. If, if, if you know what it is God wants you to do, that is an exciting place to be. Because that means the God of the universe has come down to do something and he wants to use you. Isn't that incredible? As some of you, you're just in the day-to-day, going to work and whatever, and that's fine. But someday, God's going to call out your name and he's going to ask you to do something. God sees, he hears, he cares, and he uses us when he moves. So he says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And verse 11, (laughs) and this is a lot of times where we're at. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh 
and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, where is his focus right now? Who am I in, I mean, thinking about Pharaoh. God has a bush on fire next to him. He's speaking to him. He can't even hide his face. And he's like, man, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who are you that God should be talking to you? Really, that's the question. Who am I that you'd even approach me on this issue? You're God. You do it. You're amazing, right? No, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Again, this goes back to the sandal issue. There's something on this, in this plane, in this world that's holding Moses back. And almost everybody I talk to, when God speaks to them, there's a but, and they name something, but my job, but my friends, but my money situation. I'll tell you, I know, I know I, this is always a hard top. Money's always a hard topic just because um, people get mad when you talk about it. So it, it makes it hard. But this is the issue. I mean, for me, it's the number one issue, sacrificial giving. And it's probably why it, the Bible mentions it so much. But there's, for some of us, there's this thing we know we should be giving sacrificially. We know it. We sense it. When uh, offering happens and all that, it's, oh, yeah, you know. But, but the mortgage and the this and the that, who am I that I should not pay my mortgage or whatever? We, 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 we forget about God completely. And, and, we, and we make it about, the conversation just becomes about this. But God didn't come for that. God's, God has come down to do a work and he wants to use you to do it. And so I always tell people, man, you got to revisit this again and again and again in your marriage, in your household or whatever. Is money holding you back from, from obeying? And, um, and so then, you know, people get upset and they leave and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you guys can handle that. So, so, so Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And watch what God says. Uh, guys, honestly, this is so freeing. God says, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And we'll stop right there. We'll split this verse in half. If I were to ask everybody here, do you want to be closer to God? Do you want to sense his presence more? There might be a handful of you guys just trying to be smart, going, no, huh, you know. But the youth are in second service, so they'll be the ones that, no, I'm kidding. Right? I mean, there'll be a handful that say, well, you know, no, I feel close to God. That's great. But, but, but the majority of us, myself included, are like, now, I, I want to, I, I want that holy ground moment where my feet my bare feet are standing there and I he's talking to me and I'm sensing his presence and and he's going to do a mighty work and all of a sudden he says this is what I want you to do if you want that moment if you want to feel God's presence if you want you know our relationship with God is not about feelings but there are times when you are feeling it I mean, there are times when you're like, oh, this is the best ride in the world. I don't think Moses had that feeling yesterday. 
when he was tending sheep. Now, he might have been close to God. He might have been. But today, this day, God came and spoke to Moses. And he says, who am I? And God says, I will be with you. If you obey, if you step out, if you do it, if you do what I'm telling you to do, not only am I going to redeem the entire nation of Israel, I'm going to use you to do it. And, 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 and I just know in a group like this, there are some people who are going, I know the issue. I know the issue. I'm spending too much time on myself or I need to get involved in this or maybe it is a giving issue or whatever. I know what it is and I just don't want to do it. When that happens, you've stopped your spiritual growth flat. See, Moses doesn't say to, uh, God doesn't say to Moses, hey, I'm with you. He says, I will be with you. If you step out in this faith, I'm going to be right there. Now, he's with us always. I mean, we, we can't get away from him. The Psalms say if we go to the bottom of the ocean, he's there. If we go to the, But there's a difference between being there and being with. <laughs> God wants to be with you. He wants to go through this journey with you. And whatever that issue is, whether it's a, you know, getting involved in something or whatever, he wants to be there. Now, now what sign would you think because I, I read these stories and I spend most of my time questioning. Like, why in the world would he, why would he say, take off your sandals? I'd say put on a hazmat suit if it's holy ground. You know, I'd have the whole thing and, you know, you know to try and not, not die. Why, why would I be getting closer to God to that? This is how I read these things. So when God says, look, take this step of obedience, do what I say. And here's the sign. I personally would expect the sign to be something cool. And we know the signs, right? I mean, let's just be, uh, we're not going to look at the sign now, but let's just, we all know, we've read ahead, okay? There's going to be some plagues with some frogs. Some stuff's going to turn to blood. That's cool. Um, And then um, there's going to be, you know, these locusts. That would be awesome to watch. That's a good sign, right? Um, The staff that I'm holding in my hand is, I can, throw it down and it's a snake and I pick it up and it's a staff and I mean wouldn't you just do that all day long you just like whoop, oh, whoop, you know I just do that right? that's a good sign right Moses puts his hand in his in his jacket he pulls it out it's leprous you know and then he puts it back in and it's not it's like huh I mean is that not a good sign those are all signs I would love if someone said to me if God called me out of my cubicle like he did five years ago and said, I want you to be a pastor and this will be a sign to you. I'm like, can I do the leprous thing? Because that's so cool. No, no. What do you think would be the sign that God would have? If we can understand this, ah, here's the sign. Here's your sign, okay? (laughs) When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. That's a sign. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want it. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard. But you're going to rescue the people out of, out of Israel. And here's the sign I'm going to give you. You're going to be worshiping right here. See, 
as the worship band returns, I, I feel like oftentimes in my life, I am missing great worship because I'm in a state of disobedience. And that disobedience doesn't have to be, uh, you know, having an affair or lying or the state of disobedience just has to be God wants me to do something and I'm not doing it. God wants me to open up my mouth with this neighbor and I'm not doing it. God wants me to stand up maybe at some time and just be bold in my faith and I'm not doing it. God wants me to become faithful in my finances and I'm not doing it. You want to know the sign that you're doing it? Worship. That's the sign. The sign that when you say, man, God has come down and he's going to use me to do something. And then when it happens, you're like, this is unbelievable. That's a life of obedience. Where you're just sitting there going, God, how in the world? How did you do this? It's going to come a time when, when Moses has these people and they're, they're worshiping at that mountain. God consecrates that mountain. That's his sign. 